This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nelly. Our guest this week is Jay Vroom, President and CEO of CropLife America. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer. Bayer recognizes the vital role bees play in our agriculture system, as well as the beauty and productivity of our urban landscapes and gardens. The Bayer Bee Care Program has been working for the care and protection of honeybee health for nearly 30 years. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with CropLife America's Jay Vroom next. Let's feed the bees. Bees pollinate many fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Today, they're facing a food shortage of their own and need better access to pollen and nectar sources. Help the Feed a Bee Initiative plant wildflowers in all 50 states to feed bees and other pollinators, because feeding bees helps us all. Get involved by sharing a bee to Feed a Bee. For every use of the bee emoji and the hashtag Feed a Bee, Bayer will plant wildflowers on your behalf. Join us at feedabee.com and on social with hashtag feedabee. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Today's farmers are demanding new technology to maintain profitability and enhance the sustainability of their operations. Jay Vroom, president and CEO of CropLife America, says his members feel the immediate financial pinch with depressed crop prices, but he's long-term optimistic on the ag industry. Vroom says the technology sector needs timely congressional action on the Pesticide Registration Improvement Act. It is the fee-for-service law that uh, allows our industry to pay fees uh, that go to EPA to increase their resource base and allow EPA to also keep pace with the changing science and to hire uh, scientists and, and consultants that can help them make the regulatory decisions that they need to make and to provide a predictable uh, regulatory scheme for our industry to know that they have to invest against. How do you evaluate the comments that this EPA administrator has suggested about the use of science and the work of the EPA? Well, it's uh, beautiful music, uh, without a doubt, and it is precisely on the right tone and message that you know we've been longing to hear. And unfortunately, as as we all know, uh, the previous EPA administrator got into a virtual war with farmers over the last few years. The most vivid example was the battle over the waters of the U.S. expansion regulatory reach by EPA. And the music from Administrator Pruitt, as he has uh, engaged on that and many other issues, has been, let's get back to the basics of science and due process and provide a regulatory framework that farmers can thrive in. And that's all we ask for in any administration. And that's what we've seen so far from Scott Pruitt. Mr. Pruitt had suggested, and I'm paraphrasing from other comments, that he did want the EPA to run on science, but also being aware over the past few years, uh, there's science, my science and your science. Whose science, Jay? <laughs> whose whose <laughs> science do we use, and how do we sure. how do we uh, how do we provide that foundation that the environment needs, uh, that farmers need, and that your members need? Once again, we're fortunate in the crop protection and crop biotechnology industry in that we've had really 50 years of continuous improvement and science process development that not only has been driven by 
really good laws that our Congress has put in place and regulatory implementation of those laws, principally by EPA and a little bit by FDA and USDA, that we now stand on today. And so when we talk about science, particularly with regard to these technologies, it is a known base that has been building for decades and decades, continuously improving, uh, but science that uh, can be replicated by other scientists is important, and science that is supported by actual uh, analytic data uh, from studies that have been conducted that others can review. And so, as you know, Jeff, the uh, questions over the safety of organophosphate insecticides and neonicotinoid insecticides uh, among a couple of classes of important chemistries that farmers depend upon have been brought into question over the last couple of years. Uh, the leading organophosphate is chlorpyrifos, and it was the poster child, if you will, of the, that part of the war on farmers that uh, the previous EPA administrator was prosecuting. And one of the central parts of that uh, critique of chlorpyrifos was a study that came from Columbia University, funded uh, in large part by a grant from U.S. EPA, and at the end of the day, 15 years after the study was completed, and EPA was considering the information for this application of review of chlorpyrifos, we discovered that EPA never had access to the raw data from that study at Columbia University. And frankly, uh, by now, we have to question years and years into Columbia University denying repeated requests by EPA for the raw data so EPA themselves could evaluate that information. Was it faked? Was it dry-labbed? We don't know. But to regulate an important chemical and the, potentially the rest of the family of that chemistry important to agriculture today based on a supposed study that no one has seen the raw data, says it can't be considered a science. And so what Mr. Pruitt has said is we're going to deny that petition on chlorpyrifos and go back to regular order. We're going to get the science lined up and put it out into the view of the public and make an informed decision that everyone can understand what the science is that's all about that drives our ultimate decision. So... Hats off to Scott Pruitt for taking a bold step to say, you know, I'm going to make this right, and we're going to do the process in an open and transparent way. When some of the companies that are involved in the consolidation process were appearing before a Senate Agriculture Committee, one of the reasons that they gave for the need to consolidate was the expensive and the challenging registration process for products inside Washington. Do you still see that today? Yes, it's very real. So the first thing that's a given is that the easy-to-discover blockbuster products probably have all been discovered. And so the next generation of products to come for farmers will not have the broad applications that we've seen from products of the past, whether it's atrazine or glyphosate or even the early biotech products would cover tens of millions of acres as a marketplace and check lots of big market blocks. So we're probably looking at finding smaller incremental products that fit into niches more often than finding huge blockbuster products. But all the science that has to be conducted and evaluated 
not only is the same for a small market product as a big market product, but it gets more expensive because science is asking new questions every day. And so those facts really do support the argument that you need scale in order to be engaged in our industry from a discovery standpoint. Everybody can look at those facts and come to more or less the same conclusion. The other bit of good news is is that uh, as difficult and challenging as the regulatory system is here in the United States, it's the very best one in the world. And that's the reason we want to get PREA reauthorized so we have the certainty of the resource support and the timelines that are embedded in that law for pesticide regulation to be given uh, going forward another seven years and that we can then pivot also to lobby the Congress to ensure that there are the right amount of tax dollars in support of the same programs that we are putting industry fees in. Since PREA has been in place uh, over 13 years, our industry has invested just in fees alone over half a billion dollars in uh, support for EPA. We want to continue that to create that extension of certainty of regulatory process that is the gold standard here in the United States. And frankly, the rest of the world depends on us here in the United States for being the cauldron for agricultural innovation. And we want to preserve that and make it even better for the next seven years. In April, President Trump met with Chinese President Xi Jinping, and we are operating now in a 100-day window of work between the two countries to resolve some trade issues. And beef is a part of that. And I understand also biotech products are a part of that. Jay, is it encouraging to see these two major players talking about working out their differences on scientific and technical issues to be able to enhance the doors of trade? Absolutely, Jeff. China, as everyone knows, is the the huge market for the planet. And they've got a lot of hungry people whose incomes are rising and who want to spend a portion of their increased uh, incomes on improving their diets. And we want the American farmer to be uh, able to gain our unfair share of that market going forward. And so getting access for our beef exports, very, very critical. Other animal proteins will follow along. Uh, I just was visiting uh, recently with uh, some of the folks in the Australian embassy, and they were sharing with me that there are milk producers in Australia that send a 747 freighter full of fluid milk every day into China from Australia. That's an example of what kind of demand that there is in China for agricultural products. And again, I, I want to dedicate my industry and myself to making sure that the American farmer gets an unfair share of of that market access. And I think uh, what we're seeing is President Trump, certainly Secretary Purdue, uh, Ambassador Lighthizer, now that he's on board at USTR, we've got a dream team uh, coming together to help ensure that our agricultural market access around the world including China, is second to none. When we think about the president's proposed budget, and I realize it is the president who's making a proposal, but it's Congress that controls the purse strings, still, I think some were taken back that the president was proposing uh, a big cut in the USDA budget, but an even bigger cut in the EPA budget. Some encouraged by that. Jay, from your perspective and from your members, you need enough people at EPA 
to carry out the task of making sure that these products can be uh, approved, can be reviewed uh, in an expedited amount of time. That's precisely correct, Jeff. So we're in a bit of a unique position uh, as an industry at our intersection with EPA in that we like a lot of things that EPA does because they are our licensing authority to grant product approvals for use in the United States and also to help us with harmonizing uh, regulatory processes with other countries around the world so that uh, residues and other uh, standards uh, can be generally accepted around the world, and we can ensure that what American farmers are producing using our products are accepted in other markets. So really important. Uh, we think that uh, there's plenty of ability to work within the president's budget proposal overall for EPA and still maintain the resource integrity that we need in the Office of Pesticides at EPA. So many issues in Washington are related to others, and I recall your testimony before the Senate Agriculture Committee on PREA, and it's amazing how the Endangered Species Act is now working its way into something that shouldn't be related but actually is. Well, the Endangered Species Act, again, at the intersection with pesticide regulation, is just uh, completely out of sync with reality. Uh, We've been uh, dealing with about a dozen major national lawsuits that have been brought by the environmental community challenging EPA's registration of pesticide products since about 2001. And all of those lawsuits have been brought on the basis of the lack of full formal paper communication and coordination between the Endangered Species Act, uh, implementing authorities, the so-called services, Fish and Wildlife, and National Marine Fisheries, and EPA. So the consultation box not having been checked has provided these environmental NGOs a chance to go to court and make a serious slowdown of EPA's regulatory process. And now they're attacking new products for the first time in these 15 or 16 years that we've been engaged in litigation over these questions. It's time for the administration and for Congress to work together to resolve this issue because we've had studies done. It would take another seven or $800 million of resources for the Fish and Wildlife Service and National Marine Fisheries Service to be able to keep pace with the scientific reviews that EPA do on pesticide products. And frankly, that's a redundancy that the taxpayers don't need to invest in, and we don't need that additional uncertainty and and continued slowdown of decision-making at EPA. Steve Davis, uh, in an AgriPulse uh, story earlier this year, suggested that it's increasing the workload for EPA staff, 15 to 20 percent? Yes. And so if, if we can resolve this policy disconnect and eliminate the redundancy and slowdown, We'll have 15 to 20 percent of resources at EPA that can actually be rededicated to doing their proactive work. Was it also not a goal of PREA to expedite the process of registration for products and instead of moving faster, it's been moving slower? Yeah, so the curve went uh, the right direction in the early years of PREA, you know, back 13 years ago, uh, and we saw... The wait times for EPA decisions on new food use uh, pesticide chemicals dropped from well over four years on average to below two years. It's crept back to about three years. A lot of that's driven by 
these uncertainties and the do loops of uh, the Endangered Species Act challenges and litigation. Uh, we think that we can get back closer or even below two years again uh, with, again, the right management structure and a little bit of a boost of resources from the Hill. The House has already approved its PREA legislation uh, in March of this year. The Senate Ag Committee about to take it up. How do you evaluate the House language and what do you hope for as the Senate Ag Committee gives this attention? Both uh, bills in the House and the Senate are virtually identical. There will be some technical differences that we think can be quickly resolved. So uh, we're uh, enthusiastic about Chairman Roberts and uh, Ranking Member Stapanow moving the bill out of committee, uh, hopefully well before the Memorial Day break here at the end of May, and uh, get it across the floor uh, either before the Memorial Day break or in early June so that we can get it resolved and to the President uh, for signature sometime well ahead of Fourth of July, which Again, in, in Washington terms, is uh, lightning speed pace, and uh, we're very encouraged by the fact that everyone recognizes the importance and ease with which uh, this reauthorization can and should occur. How would this challenge your industry if it were delayed? Well, we have until September 30th, the end of the government fiscal year, is when the current uh, authority expires. Frankly, it's more important to get the certainty of the reauthorization behind us so all of us can pivot toward working with the appropriations committees in the House and the Senate to ensure that we get the right amount of tax support in parallel to the industry fee resources in place. So there's a lot of education that needs to be done with the appropriations committees because there's more change in representation and leadership in the appropriations side than we've had in the ag committees. Jay, I'd like to turn our focus to the Department of Agriculture and, of course, now former Georgia Governor Sonny Perdue is the head of the Department of Agriculture. But we're anticipating the nominees that will fill the deputy and undersecretary posts that are still vacant at USDA. With a view of one particular agency, Jay, in your opinion, is it important that an agency lead be a scientist to oversee an agency that works with the scientific community? Well, we've got great scientific minds that work at the career level at USDA and EPA, as well as FDA for that matter. So I think what is most important with regard to the leadership that comes in in the political slots in the administration and fills out uh, the rest of USDA and EPA in particular is that we have people that understand the science and are good managers. Someone who has had only private sector management experience may find it very frustrating to try to manage a government entity. And at the same time, I think someone that's only managed in the public sector uh, misses something by not having private sector experience. So, so far, we've seen uh, some really good balance in the folks that have been brought into the administration to lead. And I think uh, based on the very accurate rumors that are out there around uh, some of the names that uh, may be announced soon by Secretary Purdue that we will have uh, completion of a dream team for both regulatory as well as uh, agricultural export uh, promotion that uh, will stand American agriculture in a very good stead. Looking ahead to agriculture and the science that's involved, I see more and more that chemistry and biology are coming closer and closer together. We've already seen some of that, but do you see more? Absolutely. Uh, the refinements in the ability 
to research and discover new biological traits as well as uh, gene editing in combination with synthetic chemistries and biologically based chemistries uh, for crop protection and public health protection are amazingly refined compared to even five years ago. And the other exciting thing to me, if your listeners haven't had this experience, I would encourage them to take advantage of it, is to go to the modern discovery laboratories that in the main are the proprietary interests of our member companies at CropLife to see the speed and accuracy of science. Uh, The automation of discovery laboratories is breathtaking. Things that would take a year, uh, ten years ago, today can be done in a week. When you know that time is money and that we all have a vivid understanding of how much the population on the planet is growing and how much uh, improved diet expectations is growing, we need that kind of speed of science to keep pace with the demand that's out there. Well, Dave Broom, we want to thank you very much for taking time to be with us here on this edition of Open Mic. Sir, it is Open Mic, and you have an open forum. Well, thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure, as always, to visit with you and to take advantage of the opportunity of the great platform that our friends at AgriPulse provide. I would just remind everybody that is busy spring planting season. Farmers get in a hurry. And we would always encourage folks to read and follow the label directions as a campaign that we ran many years ago said and is still true today. Farm chemical safety is in your hands, and we encourage people to apply the important proper stewardship to the use of all of our products. Our thanks to Jay Vroom, President and CEO of CropLife America, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer. Bees play a vital role in our agricultural system and are important contributors to the beauty and productivity of our urban landscapes and gardens. Since bees help pollinate much of the healthy foods that we eat, they're important to our food supply and to our lives. That's why the Bayer Bee Care Program has been working for the care and protection of honeybee health for nearly 30 years. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley. 